talking about the genuineness of our faith, the Bible teaching us about, you know, the difficulties that the church was going through and that Peter says, look, these trials and testings that you're going through right now, your faith is becoming genuine, meaning anything that is not right that's in your faith is going to get straightened out. The purity, you know, it's a, um, in Wee's uh, uh, translation, he talks a little bit about how this word genuineness is like a, a, someone bringing gold to be refined. That's what your faith is like. The pressure of life, the fires of life are testing your faith. And right now, your faith, I'm sure, has been tested in the last 30 days, in the last 40 days, or however long we've been in quarantines now. I, I, I don't even remember. It seems like just one day after another. But, but, you know, no matter how long that is, stuff's been showing up in your life maybe that you didn't even know was there. But see, that's the genuineness of your faith. That's that revelation. And what's happening is, as you and I continue to grow and as we continue to develop, that junk, that what's called dross in gold is removed. And so we have a much more pure product. We need a much more pure faith in our lives without all of this crazy junk that gets in there and really the fear. You know, one of the things you've probably heard me talk a little bit about, especially dealing with this virus, is, is that because we live, live in such an anxious world right now, anxiety. I mean, look, anxiety medications are, are going off the shelf like crazy because people live it, live in anxiety. The world is anxious, anxious about money, anxious about health, anxious about death, anxious about, you know, what, what, what the future holds. Because of that anxiety that weighs heavy in the hearts of people, something cataclysmic, difficult happens, all of that anxiety comes to the surface. And when it does, actually, uh, the truth is people that already dealt with anxiety before all this happened are actually doing relatively well because they're used to dealing with anxiety. But people that have not dealt with anxiety in their life, not dealt with those underlying anxious things in their life, they're really struggling through this because what's happening is the pressure of what's happening around them is forcing that all to the surface. Now, we can look at that one of two ways. We can go, man, that stinks, or we can say, awesome. I'm glad it's coming to the surface. Now I can get rid of it and I can move on. Amen. So as we look at this passage in chapter 1, we move to chapter to verse 13, and that's where we want to pick up today. I've entitled this message, and I think you'll see this as we go through this, who is conducting this orchestra? Who is conducting this orchestra? And that's the question that we want to ask at the beginning of this. So in verse 13, it says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Now, don't be afraid of that word, holy. We're going to talk about what that means here today. So, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Not in fear of life, but in fear of God, of making sure that our lives are kept in alignment with his word. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ, 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So that your faith and hope are in God. In verse 13, he begins talking about how that we need to, in this life, that we need to gird up the loins of our mind. Of course, we don't wear you know, the, 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 the outfits that they wore in those days, but whenever someone was going to run or they were going to work or they were going to, you know, they had things that they had to do that there was a lot of movement involved, they would have to gird up the, their, their, their skirt, basically. They would have to pull it up, tie it up, so that they would be free to be able to, to, be able to move the direction that they needed to go. When Peter talks about this, he says, look, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. You need to get your mind set into the right place. I like the one, one translation says, so roll up your sleeves and put your mind in gear and be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Amen. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Don't slip back. You know, that's that's always as a pastor, you know, I know many of you are growing so much spiritually right now. We don't want you to slip back, you know, slip back into the old grooves, the old things. Eh? You know, uh, that uh, we're, we're back where we were before and we just can't wait to get back. I don't want to go back to what it was like before. I want us to move forward in what a greater revelation of Christ, a greater understanding of our relationship with him and a deeper, deeper walk with Christ and in his love. So he says, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do. You do now. You do now. Another translation says it like this. So then prepare your hearts and minds for action. Get ready. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. And he says in verse uh, 14, as God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you did not know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. So see, as we talk about that you and I, this, this idea of the holiness of God and living a holy life, why do... Why, why does that happen? Why would that happen in our lives? That would happen because we have experienced the blessed hope that's talked about in these passages, the hope that came through Jesus Christ. I don't know about your relationship, where you were at with Christ, or how you came to know Jesus Christ, but let me tell you that this guy here, I needed Jesus so desperately in my life. In fact, I didn't even know how much I needed Jesus until I received him into my heart. You know, I was just wandering around in drugs and alcohol, and I was wandering around in, in all kinds of promiscuity. I had, uh, even though I had all kinds of sports accolades that I was getting in my life, I was still empty on the inside. None of those things could bring the fulfillment that I needed in my life. But see, through Christ, when I, when I truly understood and received the revelation of Christ in my life, that's when real transformation began to happen because I had that blessed hope. And that blessed hope led me to a place of holy living. It led me to a place of holy living. Why? Because I realized what Jesus did for me, what Jesus provided for me, 
that in his giving this new life to me, that I'm given an opportunity to change my future, to change and rewrite the life. You know, as we've talked about during this whole quarantine time, that this is a time of reset in our lives, a, a time to rewrite where we've been going and to, to rewrite our destiny where we're headed. In 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone, now watch this in verse 3, everyone who has this hope in them, in Christ, purifies himself just as he is pure. So why do we live a holy life? Because we recognize that there is something provided for us greater than just this life, something that we can attain from being, we can go from being natural like everyone else to supernatural, which is, is God's divine plan for our lives. Holiness is a supernatural thing that God has ordained for our lives. But that choice is really up to us, whether we want to allow that holiness of God to work in our lives and to work through us. I like what Andrew Womack said. He said, holiness is a fruit, not a root. Holiness is a fruit, not a root. It's not the root. The root is your born-again experience. But holiness is the fruit that comes out of that. People have said, well, you know, all you're doing is you're preaching about what we can't do. Well, first of all, that's not true. I preach more about what you get to do. And uh, that's through the holiness that God has provided for us. Now, there has been time that that was the focal point. And there should be good preaching about things that we need to keep away from. Every man should not do what's right in his own sight. The Bible clearly teaches us that. That's what the Word brings to us, God's thoughts and His ways that are higher than our ways. But we also know that in the midst of all of that, that what God is trying to do is to get us into a place that we can experience the fullness of who He is in our lives. I like what one preacher says, you know, you people get upset because we tell them, you know, what the Word says and because it's they're saying their response back is, you're making it so that we can't do th certain things. And he says, no, what I'm trying to do is get you into a place where you can do all things through Christ Jesus. See, the real power of your salvation experience isn't just that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is a very awesome thing, and that that's your eternity, but it's also so that you can now begin to walk in the benefits of the kingdom right now, to experience the beauty and the benefits of what God has preordained for you to have in your life through his holiness. But holiness is a fruit. It grows out of the change that has happened in your life. If you're watching this today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord, the conductor of your life, then guess what? You're probably not experiencing the beauty of what God wants. You might believe in God. That, that, I'm not saying you don't believe in the Lord. But have you truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? When I say surrender, that means if you said, Lord, you're in charge. It's like the idea of, uh, uh, that was told years ago through Campus Crusade. They would talk about how that we, were, we believe in God, and so we say, God, you can be on the throne of my life and in charge, and you're the king. But then we keep moving him off the throne, and we keep saying, no, wait a minute, I want to do this. I want these pleasures. I want these joys. I want my own way. 
I want my own attitudes. I want my own unforgiveness. I, want, I don't want to do things your way. I want to do things my way. Well, you know, God isn't going to fight to stay on the throne if you want, don't want him to be on the throne. I mean, he'll do everything he can to remind you that he should be in charge and that his ways are better than your ways. But he is not going to beat you up, hold you down, and force anyone to have to receive and do what he said to do. See, he wants to be the conductor of your life, to, to guide your conduct. That's what this verse says, that we should, our conduct should change because of the holiness that has been provided for us. It's a fruit, but it's not a root. So the blessed hope leads us into holy living. Also, we recognize that the Word of God teaches us that God commands us to be holy. He said here, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Now, let me just make this clear. Holiness does not mean sinless perfection because there's no way that you can do that. In fact, 1 John chapter 1 and verses 8 through 9 says it like this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, okay? So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So for us to sit back, you know, I think for mankind, that if we really thought that we were in sinless perfection, it wouldn't last long because we'd get prideful about it. Like, I'm better than everybody else because I don't have sin in my life like everybody else does. I mean, look at the Pharisee, the whole attitude that he had when Jesus talked about the, the Pharisee and the publican. He said, look, the, or the, uh, the publican comes in and he's, uh, he's like, God, be merciful. You know, I, I'm a sinner. I'm no good. I, I need help. And the, the, the righteous Pharisee comes in and says, Lord, look at all the good things I've done. Look how, look how much I love you and I love your work and your house. Jesus said, who comes away justified? Well, the sinner did. The sinner came away justified. The word holiness is defined as, now watch this, it's defined as set apart and separated unto God. And separated unto God. It, it, it is defined as set apart or separated unto God. All right, so now I want to do this illustration. Hopefully you can see this. I have $2 bills here. They're, they're, the digits are a little different, but they both spend, okay? They're real dollars. They both work, all right? They, but if I take one of these and I say, this is dedicated to God, all right? This is dedicated to God. This one is not like this one anymore. What did I do? I have changed the purpose of this money. I have changed the purpose. This money I spend for me. This money belongs to God. This money belongs to God. Now, we know that all things come from God, so all of it really belongs to God. But God gives us the right, he gives us the right to choose how we deal with this. So if we take, let's say this is my tithe. The Bible says the tithe is holy to the Lord. It's a holy thing. It's not like all the rest of your money. You know, I know we treat it that way. We think it's just, well, it's another bill to pay, or I've got to, you know, I've got to send my tithe in, just like I've got to send my, my house payment in. That's not really true, because this is your house payment. That's just regular money. But this is holy money. This is money holy because what, why? Because it looks just like this but because you changed the purpose of it. This goes to God. 
You know, in the New Testament, in Acts, I'm not going to get into all of this, but, but Ananias and Sapphira got in trouble because they dedicated that portion to God and said it's yours, and then they changed the purpose of it and lied about it. They got in trouble because they took something that was designated as holy, and it was theirs. They could do whatever they want, but it was designated as holy, and they decided to use it and that to, 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 to lie about it. And then, on top of lying about it, they willfully chose to keep it part of it for themselves to use it for whatever they wanted to use it for. Now, the money was theirs. They could do whatever they wanted. Your life is yours. You can do whatever you want with it. You can live horribly in sin and still believe in God. You've, but look, here's the thing. The outcome is going to be different because of the choice that you made. The Bible teaches us that it's God's commandment for us to be holy as he is holy. So what, what does it mean to be holy? It means I'm separated. Now, God has already said you're holy because you're separated unto him. But whether you choose, whether you choose to live that separated life is really up to you. You decide that. God doesn't decide that. God isn't going to come down and make you do what he wants you to do. He just isn't going to do that. We're not puppets. He gave us a will to make choice in our lives of what we're going to do. But you have been set apart, just like that $1. It's, total, it's purpose is different. Your purpose, if I can say this this morning, your purpose here on this earth is not the same as everybody else's purpose because you're separated to God. Your life, not just your money, your life, your family is separated to God. And how does that reflect how that you live your life now? How does that reflect how you work in the work environment now? How does that reflect how you deal with it? It changes everything because now you're not doing things for yourself. You're doing things to please the one that has separated you unto himself. So holiness is, we, we live holy in our lives because it is our hope. We live holy because it's God's commandment. And we live holy because here, and this is the one, if you didn't like this first, you'll hate this one, is because everything we do will be held up to judgment. Verse 17 says right there, in verse 17, I'll read it to you. It says, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Everything that you and I do will be held up to God's judgment. In fact, um, in the book of Corinthians, and Sharon and I had the opportunity to see this, it talks about in chapter 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or or bad. So everything will be held up to the scrutiny at the judgment seat of Christ. It's interesting that it says we must all appear because the word appear here in the Greek language isn't like just showing up, you know, like we just show up for court dates, but or you know, show up to do jury duty or show up for church. It's appear means the idea of being revealed. It means that whatever is going on there in us at the judgment seat of Christ, which all of us that believe in Christ will stand before, that at that judgment seat of Christ, that that's when all things will be revealed, all right? Because he is our master and our Lord. 
We have to give an account for those things. You say, well, will sinners appear before the judgment seat of Christ? No, they will not. Where sinners will appear is at the great white throne judgment. When that happens, that's a terrible judgment that's talked about in the book of Revelation. And at that great white throne judgment, here's the thing. What's going to happen at that is at that point, that's where the sheep and the goats are separated. Those who don't know Christ, they are sent off. They, are, they, they basically are sent off into eternity without God. And those who believe, of course, they're, they're comforted in that moment. You better hope you're not at the great white throne judgment not knowing Christ. That's why the Bible tells you that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Everyone will confess and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's just the thing is, is that when you're at the great white throne judgment, it doesn't matter what you say, even though you may acknowledge it, you've already missed that opportunity. It's too late. The judgment seat of Christ is for the believer. That's where all your stuff is weighed out there. That's where your giving's weighed out. Not, not, not your giving because how much you gave, but did you honor God with what you have? That's where the motives of your life, now that's where it gets tough, right? Because we have to start looking at our motivation. Why did I serve? Why did I do this? You know, why, why, you know, why did I do these things for God? Because I had to, because I wanted to. All of that gets opened up at the judgment seat of Christ. Um, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and he says in verse 10 something real interesting. He says that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, until the day of Christ. It's this word sincere that's used here. Is a, is a, it's the, the Greek word sincero, and, and what it's a reference to is how in the marketplace that they would, it means, the, the word sincero means without wax. That's what it literally means in the Greek language, without wax. And so when he says that you would be sincere, that you would be without wax and without offense. Now let me explain what that means. In the marketplace, people would cheat on selling uh, housewares, like vases, um, water, water jugs to people, that if they got cracked, they would take and they, they had a way that they could stick wax in the crack. And they would fill that crack in with that wax. And then people would look at it, you know, and they paint over it. People would look at it and go, oh, it's, 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 it's all fine. You know, we used, to, we used to do that with, I don't know if they still do this with vehicles, but they used to put what they called Bondo on vehicles, and they would fill holes on it. Bondo is not steel. Um, of course, vehicles aren't made out of steel mostly anymore anyways. But, but our, back in the old days, <laughs> vehicles were made out of, pretty much out of steel, and uh, they would put this material over top of it that made it look like it was okay, but it really, if it got hit there, it's not okay. So, sincero, when he says that you would be sincere, means that you would be without wax. And so what they would do, if you were a good shopper, when you went out shopping, you would pick that vase up, okay, and you would hold it up to the light. And when you held it up to the light, if you could see light, because the wax had a sense of transparency to it. If you could see light coming through in the inside of that jar, or you could see light coming through on the, you know, on the outside, you knew that that thing was not genuine. It was not good, and it wasn't something that you wanted. Here's what God's saying to us, that we would be without wax. Where are you shoving wax into your life right now? Where are you putting it into the cracks that you know those things are not right in your life? 
Look, you don't need some, a gap to be filled. You need a miracle to make new. That's what we need. We don't need God to just come in, you know, somehow that we're just going to smooth that over and, you know, look and, and, and fill that in. Because, see, the problem still exists, even though there may be something in the gap. But the miracle of new life is, is that God can completely transform us. He can completely transform us. That we would be sincere. That we would realize that when we're held up to the judgment, see, it's all that wax is going to come out in the open in the end. What are you shoving into the cracks of your life, filling in to try to make it look like? Even as a Christian, what are you filling those cracks with? Because I'm going to tell you what, you know they're there, God knows they're there, and one day you're going to have to deal with those things. Today is a great day for you and I to turn to the Lord and say, God, I'm just going to come clean. I got this problem in my life. I got this difficulty that I'm dealing with, Lord God. I'm, I'm not living a holy life. I'm not living right before you. My attitude's not right. I'm unthankful. I'm unforgiving. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I, I don't like the life that I have right now, and you've just been trying to put all this stuff into those cracks of your life except letting God just make you a new person. So well, how does that happen, Pastor? Well, the way that it happens is, is that you and I, we just have to completely surrender to the price that Christ has paid. We have to walk away from our aimless, empty, vain conduct and turn to him and say, Lord God, I need your help. I need you to, to help me with the difficulty that I'm dealing with. I need you to, to help me to be able to overcome this in my life. The first thing that we have to do is we have to realize the world cannot fix us. It cannot. There isn't a thing. I know, I know we'll all, we all think we'll feel better when we can go to restaurants and back to sporting events. And we've got football and basketball and baseball and hockey and all the the other things that are out there, and the Olympics is back, and we can go to the movie theater. Listen, none of that's going to fix any of this. None of that is. I mean, it might surface it over. It might make us feel a little bit better. Look, alcohol, I drank alcohol for years, filling the cracks of my life with wax, drugs, to try to smooth it over, the pain. <clears throat> you know, people you know, can get very critical about alcoholics and Drug, drug addicts, and but look, the thing is, is in a, is is when people have those things in their life, typically, either they've <coughs> been overcome by circumstances in their life and just given into it, or they've got deep pain in their life. That was my story, deep pain. I mean, just trying to self-medicate my problems with all this other stuff. And look, it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't heal anything, but it does. Put wax in those gaps for a while so that you can look like you got it together. But you know you don't have it together. See, what world, the world that you and I live in, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We don't need movie. Uh, and, and look, I like watching movies just like anybody else, so don't think I'm being critical about movies. But a movie is not going to fill the gaps of your life. It's just not going to do it. Eating in a restaurant is not going to fill the gap in your life. Just being in a church building isn't going to fill that gap in your life. The only thing that can fill that gap in your life is, is that living the transformed life that God has called you to. See, in Romans chapter 12, it says, 
Don't be conformed to this world. Be conformed means that we're being shaped and formed by the world that's around us. Are you being shaped and formed by the world that's around you? Is Facebook now shaping your ideas? Is Twitter now in control of how you view your world around you? Is Instagram now in control of how you look at life? See, we're not conformed to this world. You say, well, Pastor, all those things, you say all that, then, you know, that's how, how I have fun. Well, don't say you couldn't have fun, but is it conforming you? Is it shaping you? Is it, is it molding you into its image instead of allowing God to transform you into his image? See, that's the real plan. Be ye holy, for I am holy. See, who is conducting this orchestra in your life? Who's in charge? Who's really, I don't, you know, our musicians, I won't ask them to do this because they're just too good. They're just too good. It would be, and all the same, it would be just too complicated for them to do it. I've tried it before with some of them. It didn't work very well because I've said, okay, I want you to play one song and I want you to play another song and I want you to play another song. I want you to sing another song. And, and, And they, because they're trained and what they do, they, they're trained to work together, so they cannot work separately. They, they struggle because they're hearing what others are doing, and they're joining right in with it because they have this conductor, this, this invisible conductor that's there that, that causes them to all jive together as one unit to make music. Now, if each of them tried to do their own thing, of course, it would be absolute chaos. And, uh, you know, good trained musicians cannot do that because they're trained to work together with the people that they're working with. See, who's in charge? Who's conducting this orchestra? How long are you going to keep conducting your own orchestra in your life, doing your own thing, beating your own drum, living your own way, running your own direction? And when will it become that, Lord, I surrender to you, lead me on, be the conductor, Lord, I love the song we sang earlier. If I ever needed you, Lord, I need you right now. Look, I, I've been a Christian for over 40 years. I've been preaching over 40 years. But if I ever needed him, I need him right now. In fact, I'm going to ask our worship team if you'll come right now. But if you ever need him, look, friend, it's right now. It's not, it's not that you're going to look back in your life and go, well, I really needed God then. I'll tell you what, I really needed the Lord then. No, man, you need him right now. You need him right now. If you're watching this today and you are not a Christian, you have not asked Jesus Christ into your life to surrender your life to him as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. The best way that you can let us know that you've done that is by texting the word guest to the phone number that Greg's putting up on the screen right now. And if you would do that, we will connect with you. We have things that we can help you. We have ways We can have one of our pastors contact you, help you, pray with you. We can get you involved in a discipleship program that's going to truly enrich your spiritual life. If you are a Christian, you believe in Christ, but you're just struggling in your spiritual life, what's it going to take to move you forward? It's going to take you doing something you're not doing, okay? So, you know, we can keep telling you to read the Bible. We can keep telling you to pray, but you need somebody to come alongside you and believe and pray with you.
And so you have that opportunity today. There is an online pastor. In fact, it's my wife, Sharon. She's right there. And uh, she will be happy to talk with you online. You can private message her. Um, if you're in our text in church app, you can text right to that. But look, don't, don't walk away from this. Who's conducting the orchestra today in your life? Well, you could keep trying to run it, or you can take all your abilities. And this is what I love. See, because these guys up here, they all have talent. I, they have talent I don't have. They can play instruments. They can, you know, play drums and play and sing beautifully and sing together. I can sing, but it's not going to necessarily be together with what everybody else is doing. And, uh, but they can do this. They can do all of this together. But even though their talent is great, they've surrendered to something greater. Do you get it? They've surrendered to something greater. And the greater is, is that the greater purpose. It's just like these $2. I make this one holy, God. This belongs to you. This is not mine anymore. Whatever you want me to do, I'll give my tithe. That's my tithe. I'll give my tithe with the offering. I'll help the poor with it, Lord God. I'll help a widow with it. I'll help an orphan with it. This, Lord, thank you. I get to do whatever I want with that. But this here, Lord, this is yours. These guys have taken their talent and said, Lord, our ability to play and sing is yours. Now make us one together. Make us one together. So if you're watching today and you haven't surrendered to Christ, you know, if we were here in the building right now, I'd call you right to the altar. I'd say, look, you need to get down here today. Don't walk out of the building. You need to get on your knees. Say, oh, my gosh, here he goes again. He's telling us, and we've got to do this in our home, and my wife's sitting right there, or my husband's there, or my kids are in the room with us, and you're telling us we've got to get on our knees. Can, can, can we just pray quietly in our seat? Well, you can do whatever you want to do. But here's my thing. Sometimes you've got to do something you haven't been doing. Listen, Dad, when was the last time you got on your knees in front of your family and you prayed to God? I'm not talking about just grace at the table, but you really surrendered yourself right there on the floor to right with everybody, God and everybody watching and said, Lord, I surrender to you. Wife, when, woman, when was the last time that you bowed down before the Lord on the floor? I mean, I know it's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be. It really is. But the beauty of it is, is that as we do that, we lead our families into a place where we're transformed. How long will we conform to the world? When are we ready to be transformed? I can say today during this song, Lord, if I ever needed you, I need you right now. Do you believe that today in your home? Do you believe that here, you that are here? If I ever needed you, Lord, I need you right now. And so I bow my heart and my life to you. Let's all stand up that are here. And I'm just going to ask you guys at home to do this right now. Stand up. And if you want to pray, you make that couch an altar right now. Or that kitchen table chair or, or wherever you're at right now. If you're out barbecuing, get down on your knees right there out in public. And just say, Lord, I surrender to you because I need you right now. I need your help. I want to be transformed. I don't want to be conformed to the world anymore. You're now the conductor of this orchestra. On this thirsty desert ground, 
the Holy Spirit say that uh, to pray for those who uh, are battling, um, you found um, lumps on your body that uh, were not there before, and uh, you've been struggling with that. You haven't been able to get in to see a doctor yet, um, and so you've been battling through the fear of it. First of all, Jesus Christ bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. No matter what that is, that lump is, it falls under those two categories, a sickness or a disease, okay? And Christ has bore that for you. So in the name of Jesus, we take authority over those lumps. They're no different than a mountain. Jesus said, say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, not doubt in your heart, believe the things you say will come to pass, and you will surely have whatever that you say. So in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, that this mountain is removed, this lump. Lord, and if you're as you're watching this, put your hand on that lump right now. 
Some of you, I believe, are going to feel that lump go right down, right there. And so I declare over you healing in the name of Jesus, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that drives out all sickness and disease, the very life and nature of that corrupt lump that's in your body begins to die right now and leave your body in the name of Jesus. If you've been battling uh, stuff with your gallbladder, you know, all the complications that go with that, struggling through, you can't eat right, you're always, your stomach's upset all the time, I want you to know that whatever that gallbladder's doing is a violation of what God created it to do. And so we command it in the name of Jesus. Now you put your hand on your stomach right now if you're dealing with that. We command that gallbladder to come into alignment right now for what God created it to do in the name of Jesus. I command every cell of that gallbladder to go back to what God created it for, to begin to perform as it is created to perform, and to no longer be out of alignment in the name of Jesus. These cells that have gone corrupt, I curse you and command you to die and get out of that body in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hmm. Felt like somebody uh, hurt themselves on this right side right here. Just got, maybe you fell. I don't really know how you did, but there's, you're, worried, you're concerned about, did you break a rib or do something? Right now, I want you to lay your hand on that right now, if you would, in the name of Jesus. I declare over you healing over that side of your body right now, over the tissue in that, 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 that surrounds those bones, over that bone. And I say over that, just like uh, the Bible says that we could speak to dry bones and there would be sinew and, and there would be skin and there would be life. I speak over your side right now. I command every uh, necrotic, all the necrotic tissue to be gone in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing right now over your side, right now. That the life and the nature of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, goes into your side, all around that tissue, driving out the pain, health, life, moisture of the bones. I speak in the name of Jesus right now. And I thank you for it, Lord God. I thank you for it. I thank you for it, Lord God. Jesus, Jesus, give you glory and give you honor. Give you praise, Lord God. Your healing virtue. Let's hang on. We're, we're not in any rush right now. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you that healing is the children's bread. So I saw this in the spirit that uh, I don't know how to number these vertebrae, but you would know what this means, that that down your neck, just below your neck, that you did damage there somehow. Uh, you have terrible pain that, that just comes on you. You're taking uh, medication to deal with that, to, to just try to relax that because it's it's just so horrible for you. But I want you to know, put your hand on that. If you got somebody in the room with you, have them put their hands on you right now. 
in the name of Jesus. I loose that right now in the name of Jesus. All that tissue that's bound up. Right now, the nerves that are bound up, I loose them in the name of Jesus. Aggravation be gone. Inflammation be gone. We release healing. Healing virtue. The virtue that flowed down the garments of Christ that healed the woman with issue of blood. Now flow into your body right now, into that neck region, and completely heal. The pain is leaving. You feel it leaving right now. You feel it leaving. You need to testify about this. You feel it leaving your body right now. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Somebody that uh, is dealing with their eyes, it's uh, somebody scratched an eye, uh, and God is uh, right now uh, healing that, Amen. but in pain with a scratched eye. There's somebody else that deals with dry eyes, and God is is, is lubricating that, and you're, it's currently irritated right now, but God is bringing a, a lubrication to those eyes and causing your tear ducts to begin to operate yes. normally. There's also somebody that uh, you're dealing with congestion. Um, it's a sinus infection of some kind, and God is in the process of uh, taking care of that for you. Lift up your hands and thank him for that deliverance and for that healing of your sinuses. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a child that's dealing with an earache, um, um, and, and God is, is lay hands on your, uh, on your baby, lay yeah. hands on your child that's dealing with an earache. And you command that ear, and that and that inner ear, to be healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I just encourage you as we're getting ready to leave, to, to leave you in this avenue. Um, thank God for your healing right now. You say, well, I don't. I'm not really feeling a lot of. Well, it doesn't matter whether you feel it. Thank God that His word is true. Thank God that it's yours. I think about Robin Losey. You know, Robin had a really bad back, I mean really bad and was in a lot of pain she came to the altar, we had a word of knowledge just like this prayed over her and uh, and then everybody was releasing from the altar and the Lord spoke to me and said, Some, just I want you to say this that look, when you're, even though you may not feel it change now, as you're walking back to your seat, keep thanking God because the miracle is happening it's happening and Robin said that she, by the time she got to the, th I watched her, she got to the third row. She reached back and grabbed her back, was instantly healed right there on the spot. See, sometimes we, you know, we're, we're confining God to our thinking, like you got to do it like this. Look, don't think that way, okay? Just say, Lord, I believe what you've said in your word. I believe that's for me. I received that. I thank you for that, Lord God, especially these things. God had us call those things out specifically to build your faith in his word that he knows what's going on in your life and he cares about what's going on in your life and that he has healed, he has sent healing. He sent his word and he healed us and has delivered us from all of our destruction according to Psalm 107 verse uh, 5. So that's my prayer and my belief for you today. Amen. I hope you'll join us tonight uh, for communion, uh, drive-through communion at 6 p.m. at Amazing Grace Church.
don't know how to get to a nation.